0: All times are Easter. And now, the Boston Bastard Brigade, Street Inc., Wicked Anime, and Black Command proudly present Duckamuck in Japan. Bastards and wenches, welcome to episode 8 of Duckamuck in Japan. Mum's the word. I am your king, baby duck, Evan Borgo, coming to you, as always, from beautiful Ikibukuro, Tokyo, Japan. Joining me, as always, are the creator of Solarian Sun, AFLM. Oh, Hello. And our Tetris master, but not so much of a master because he wasn't the first to complete the NES version of Tetris, John Star. Maybe if I was 13 years old uh, again, I could do it.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, Blue Scooty, man. He, yeah. We knew there was something special about him when he was at uh, the Tetris World Championships this year, so good yeah. for him. It for i really really fast plug if anybody wants sure. to know more about blue scooty go see watch a game scout on youtube he has like a half hour documentary on how blue scooty beat the game and our good uh, buddy uh, hydrant dude explains the math on how he did it as well yes so.
0: On the subject of Tetris, I we just you know, our previous episode was the Winkies, and uh, not the Winkies, the the Basties <laughs> the Basties and I can't believe the Tetris movie didn't come up in conversation because that oh was absolutely one of the best movies I saw last year. That was, was pretty good. That's Dude, hilarious. That's yeah.
1: hilarious that that completely got by us.
0: <laughs>
1: Watched it the day it came out, completely forgot about it. Too
0: <laughs> like I have to say, probably like. I remember watching that film, and, like, I just spent the first, like, 20, 25 minutes of it just not blinking at all, just in awe over, like, just this whole story about how the game Tetris was made and just what these guys are going to have to do in order to get the proper license. And it's such a great movie. Most of it was true. Yeah, most of it was true. They said that the chase at the end wasn't true. That's, like, the only oh, thing <laughs> that they had the Hollywood eyes, but... They knew well, why the, they had to do it.
1: Yeah, the KGB th- thing altogether was actually false. Um, but, it, it, but like it was dense. fun to watch. It rare. was so fun to watch. Yeah, but it was yeah. good overall. Like it, it, it got the heart of the actual
0: story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, one of the best movies. I will still say Dungeons and Dragons the best film of 2023. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Still that, thinking about movie. that movie yes <laughs> <laughs> anyway today's episode mom's the word so my mom actually visited tokyo and i'm That's gonna so be cool. talking about that trip um we're all gonna please, have Please come on she's our mom <laughs> <laughs> we love your mom Wait, uh, yeah, thank, your you. <laughs> thank you great thank you sweet lady We also have uh, you guys talking about what you did on Christmas and New Year's as well, as well as a couple of concert recaps, a game review, and I do believe AFLM has a bit of an interesting story to talk about regarding uh, his webcomic, but... Yeah. Yeah. I do. Yes. But on the day of this podcast airing, it is my 39th birthday.
1: Oh, happy birthday! Hey. Yeah. Hey. Oh, I go. can't believe you pulled up that sound.
0: I, yes. I was just, <laughs> I was just off the cuff there. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it is my last year in my thirties, and I'll be spending it first at the opening ceremonies of my school's winter semester, followed by a night at the world famous Budokan. Where Atarashi Gakko was doing a show. Oh. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. So, boys, uh, it's my birthday. What did you get me? Disappointment Disappointment Yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) We did not plan that Everybody We did not plan that We are just just, conditioned To say the same joke
0: It's just a twin thing (laughs) It's like the joke In the Murder Face Birthday episode Of Metalocalypse That's literally Where
1: that line comes from That is absolutely Like the only way To answer What did you get me For my birthday Is disappointment Like seriously (laughs) Nothing
0: it's your favorite thing,
1: disappointment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's so my thirties. It's gonna be my last year where I may be able to get to get away with certain things because once you reach the age of forty, the things that seem to be cool and just sing, oh that seems interesting, it might cross over to the Creepy line, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah it's creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, wh- which things are you worried about
0: that the most? <laughs> what I would say going to certain concerts. You think so? Oh, really? Well, because here's the, here's the thing um, it's not a guarantee, and it hasn't happened yet because the pre sale doesn't start until uh, the day before this episode airs, but there's going to be an Uma Musume concert happening. Okay. And it's going to be all the voice actresses, and they're doing all the songs from the show. And like 39, I think it. you're like, I'm on the line there of, okay, this is still kind of okay. But when you're 40, and you're saying that you're going to an Uma Musume concert, I'm like, that's just sad. <laughs> um, as long as you're not buying
1: a plethora of CDs to get a handshake ticket then I suppose it's not as
0: bad. That is a good point. That is a very good point because... uh, So there are some handshake events that I have witnessed because they hold them over at Sunshine City in in Nikibukuro, the mall. They have the mall concerts and they do handshake events. And there are very short lines because I noticed that the... Patrons are spending a very long time shaking the hands of all these idols. Oh and gosh. I will um, I'll say this: I'm noticing a lot more women at boy, at boy band Idol groups doing like hmm. doing this than noticing men at girl Idol groups doing this. Really? That surprises me. It's, it's something that I've noticed in the last couple of weeks, especially so I've also noticed, too, the rise in, like, anime boy idol groups over mm-hmm. anime girl idol groups. Um, I was hanging out around Animate, and I noticed, like, there was this huge crowd of women, and they were just sitting there, and they were passing things around. So I went up to one of them, and as best as I could, I asked them in Japanese, what is going on here? And all these girls, like, who are between the ages of, like, teenagers to their 30s, they're, like, trading anime boy idol pictures. Huh. And, like, they're there for hours on end, for days in a row. Like, I went to anime a a couple of times uh, when my mom was visiting, and, like, same huge crowd there every single day for, like, almost five days straight. All they were doing was, like, trading anime boy idol pictures. Man, that's like uh, opening movie week in Hollywood.
1: What do you mean? For the uh, oh, so like in in Hollywood, there are people who actually like legitimately live their lives by sitting out in before a red carpet event for forty two hours so that they could get like Leonardo DiCaprio's autograph to immediately sell it on
0: eBay. <laughs> I think it's a little bit different because it's not like that. These girls are going to be selling them on eBay. They, they want the collections for themselves, sort of a thing. Mm. But so I- it's it's yeah. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> but I find it interesting because, like, you know, sometimes we we make fun of sometimes, you know, guys who do this like with the girl idol groups. But no, women do this, too, with the boy idol groups as well. And they, I think they do it a lot more frequently than the guys do with the girl idol groups. Mm. Do you remember that era in time where uh, the
1: Twilight movies were coming out and there were all like those really, you know, like... 40-something-year-old mom screaming over Edward Elric. Edward Elric. Wow. Um, <laughs> screaming o- over, you know, um, sparkly vampires, shirtless vampires. And, like, the whole thing was going down where they're saying, imagine if this was men doing this to teenage girls. How would this? Like, it's it's one of those double standard things that people were pointing out. Right kind of makes me think of that in a way but yeah. it's weird cuz it, cuz it's weird that like you're seeing it over in Japan now that you're living over there but the media captures the men doing it to the female idols.
0: Yeah, and the women do it with the male idols as well. And right. I feel like that that's a stigma that that should be like ended. It's like no, it it goes both ways. Both sides do this. Mhm. And I feel like okay, we, you know, we've made jokes about guys doing it and like I feel like now that I'm seeing that women do this as well with the boy idol groups, sometimes a lot more, I feel like we should just kind of maybe... I wouldn't say stop making the jokes, but maybe give it some breathing room. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So, just something that that, um, that I noticed in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, speaking of Hollywood, I... So... The date is recording, it's Saturday, but Friday night, uh, thanks to a friend of mine, uh, actually a friend of mine who winds up, who is also the uh, assistant for actress and comedian Maya Rudolph, uh, she filled me in on Ron Funches being in Tokyo doing a small set. Oh my gosh. And I got to see him perform in Shibuya in a small 50 person comedy club. What? Mm. To give you dude. an idea, the last time I saw him was at the Wilbur Theater in Boston.
1: Yeah, right. Oh, and he's so funny, dude. It must have been. Um, it must have been because because you have a picture of of you with him. Yes, uh, as well on online, and it must have been such an experience for him. To, unless everybody there was also English speaking, but somebody that you, you can approach him and just be like, hey, what's going on? And then it's like, oh my gosh, somebody in Japan speaking to me in English. This is the coolest thing ever, right?
0: Well, well, this, this club that I went to, I think it's called the Tokyo Comedy Club. It's an mm-hmm. English language comedy club. So like English. everybody that comes to this club does bits in English, and majority of the people who come to these shows are foreigners. There are some people who are Japanese who come, but the majority of the people that come to this club, uh, the Tokyo Comedy Club, I think that's the name of it, uh, are foreigners, are gaijin. and.
1: I, oh, go, oh, you finish first, and then I and then I'll I'll say my my thing,
0: and. I think it's so cool that such a place now exists. It opened up a couple of years ago. Um, I talked with a couple of the owners The Tokyo comedy bar. It's called, um, I talked to a couple of the owners and maybe just, maybe we might have them on the podcast in a future episode. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, uh, I have a hard time
1: imagining a comedy club in Japan. Mostly because like, it's either like a room where like people are telling jokes and then everybody in the room is like mm, so disney mm, yeah mm, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, or that or you know they're they're trying to you know because in Japan it's not polite to laugh out loud like we do here in America where you know open mouth and so they cover their mouths and and try to because it's because it's rude to d- not do that and so it's just like a room filled filled with people like snickering and not like bursting out and like like and they're covering their mouths it's quiet and it's like wow. Hands a different beast, I guess. <laughs> we t- doing
0: comedy here. <laughs> I think that might be a myth because remember how I talked about going to the Rockago show and like the Monsai mm. comedy show? People were laughing out loud at that show. Right. Yeah. Well, um, it's it's not
1: really a myth because uh, it might be a generational thing, though.
0: Because um, maybe it's something new. Maybe it's our generation that said, "Hey, it's okay to laugh out loud." That yeah, lets the comedian know, "Hey, you're doing a good job." Because I mean, it is—it
1: is very much a, a a cultural. You can observe it in their culture, where you know all the women like put their hand over their mouth whenever they laugh, uh, and it's and it's you know it's it's because of uh, like the open mouth policy that that was baked into the culture at one point.
0: Somewhat, somewhat. But I will say that the women there, the Japanese women who were at the show, were definitely not covering their mouths while they were laughing.
1: Oh, shameful.
0: <laughs> but it was so great. Like, like if you've never seen Ron Funches do stand-up, like, go onto YouTube, watch some of his comedy. He is an absolute phenomenal storyteller, but also a great joke teller as well. Um you know, I'm not gonna like. Re- I'm not gonna try to repeat what he said verbatim. But there was one joke that just had. It was like right at the beginning of his set that just had everybody screaming with laughter, and I'm going to try my best to like, like say it, and like do so in a way that doesn't explain the joke, but just tells it, the way he did. Um, so the joke was the one thing that really surprises me the most is that I'm seeing all these teenage girls dressing up like porn stars. (laughs) You get what that, what he's referring to, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Listen, I I would imagine he's talking about school uniforms, right? Right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Good joke. Great joke. And (laughs) that was just a little sprinkle of the hot fudge Sunday right. of comedy that he delivered. Mm-hmm. And I got to talk to him afterwards. And because he has a son who's autistic. And I told him that I'm also autistic. And it, I told him that how much it really means to me that he tells these great stories of positive stories about, you know, his autistic son. Where, you know, in the media, for the most part, it's always Almost always negativity when autism is being showcased. And he's one of the very few people who actually tells positive stories about autism from the eyes of his son. Yeah,
1: um, there's a I think he has a special is is it on Netflix or something like that where he talks about like his son's routine when he brings him on tour with him and how he gets like a cheese pizza pizza you know, for like every show in the hotel room. And he brought like one of his friends back to the hotel room and his like son was completely naked. And like, he wasn't putting clothes on for him because like, no, my time in the hotel is when I get a cheese pizza and I get to do whatever I want. (laughs) Um, Just like some really good stories between him and his son, you know, that have the, um, you know, like the unique aspects of their relationship.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's he tells very good stories, and he's a great guy too. There's a picture of him, oh, with sure. him on Instagram, and just just having this opportunity to become be face to face talking with a comedian whom I've admired for many years, on top of who I've watched and have listened to because he's been on stuff like. Harley Quinn. He's King Shark. He's been on like Adventure Time. He's he's a phenomenal voice actor. I'm actually surprised with his love for Japanese anime. He's never been asked to do an English dub for something, right? But just to be up close to him and meet him and talk to him and just, it's awesome. And I feel like you couldn't do that in America because he is such a high profile comedian now over there. Interesting. Uh, so. I feel like I like this was such a cool opportunity to meet and talk with Ron Funches. Yeah, I th- yeah, I,
1: I agree. I think that you definitely took advantage of a really great opportunity in that in that time. So, yes. I'm jealous. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Um, but moving on, well, AFLM, Andrew, you've got yourself hmm. a very interesting story to talk about regarding Solarian Sun.
1: Yeah, uh, so I don't know if you can hear it over, over my microphone or not, but you might hear a little tic on my on my keyboard, because I am actually currently working on a, um, I, I don't know what you would call this kind of interview, but a, a written interview. Uh, so I was I was handed a bunch of questions about the campaign and Solarian Sun and all this stuff, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm currently filling it out, and then I'm going to send it to the editor, and they're going to uh, post it on their website as an article. However, how did this begin? So uh, I was on Twitter one day, and I get a ping from a group called All Ages of Geek. And All Ages of Geek had written an article. It was a quick article, just listing seven cool Kickstarters that you should support. And I was tagged in it because my, my Kickstarter was introduced. Now my Kickstarter hasn't started yet, uh, hasn't started yet. But you can sign up for the pre-launch, right? So it was it was on that article, so I clicked into the article, and then I scrolled down and I read my I was like, "Oh, there's actually little descriptions about these things." But nobody consulted me on it, and nobody asked me for information or, or permission, which you don't need permission to write a, an opinion piece, so that's fine. but you know if, if, if you write something, I would figure that, oh, well, if I don't know anything about it, I'm going to ask. So I scroll down and I find Solarian Sun. Volume 3, and what do I find? Uh, Okay, here is the article. Solarian Sun Volumes 1 through 3. The Solarian Sun series is uh, is back with its third volume, and it's shaping up to be the most epic installment yet. Very true. Dive into the world where solar-powered heroes battle against the forces of darkness. This series is a must for anyone who loves a good sci-fi saga with plenty of action and intrigue. Not so accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, not only is this going to become a wild meme uh, between—I mean, between me and Jonathan, at least—but you know, uh, to you know, talk about and some being like our
0: solar-powered superheroes. Um, Isn't that like I, Japan, like the solar-powered?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I retweet the article, right? And um, so first off, I thank them I, 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 I say thank you for noticing my project However, your description is a little flawed But if you would like to reach out to me anytime you'd like I would love to discuss my story with you And not even 15 minutes later I get a, another ping from all ages of geek And they're like, yeah, we would love to interview you so I was like, "Sweet, okay, I, I did it. I sold I sold myself pretty well. I took the advantage of of this misstep and and I ran with it. Uh, and then we started, you know, getting into DMs and met met the person, met the head writer and the creator of it. Uh, and of course, I had to make sure that this was real, that it wasn't a scam. Uh, and so I was going through their YouTube, and they have YouTube videos, and they have a Patreon, and they all the other things. So I was like, "Okay, cool. Uh, and they're also a verified user on on Twitter, so uh, so that helps. That somebody is actually paying money." Uh, for, to be real. Um, so now I'm at the current place where I'm actually typing this and but I just thought that that was a hilarious story where I have this almost this almost I don't want to be rude to them because they're, they're very nice, but this almost bootleg description of my of my series that I will cherish, honestly. I will cherish it to, uh, to, to the point where I can use it for art, I can use it for whatever. but it was so bizarre because I never, I was like, am I dreaming right now? Is is this a dream? Like, am I, did I make up this article in like a fever dream I had or something like that? Because that's what it felt like. I I, I felt so odd because I laughed at first, but then I felt, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. But that's, that's the story. That is the whole story. And, but that is also the story of how I got an, an interview with a small publication on the internet. <laughs>
0: Solarian Sun, the story of solar powered heroes and their sons. And their sons' sons. And their sons' <laughs> sons' sons. Epic sci fi. Epic, sci-fi. epic and Capri. Sci-fi and Capri Sun. And Sunny D. <laughs> and S- Sunny, the uh, Coco Puff mascot. <laughs> oh, who's voiced by Tom Kenny? Uh, the
1: voice of Lionel from Thundercats. Oh, that's yes. true. That's right. That's oh, right. my
0: gosh. I, <laughs> I
1: forgot that Tom Kenny does that now. It all, it, he's always done it. He's always done it. He's always been been cuckoo. Well,
0: you Coke said Buster. Tom Kenny. That's a SpongeBob voice actor. Oh, Tom Kenny. <laughs> I was thinking of Larry.
1: Sorry, Larry Kenny. Larry
0: Kenny. Larry, yeah, Larry Kenny. Kenny. <laughs> now you're making me think oh, well. of like thunder, thunder, thunder.
1: <laughs> Thundercats? Oh, I don't know. He, he could do. Uh, he could because he does. I'm just thinking of like all the voices he does in Rocco. He could do a. He could do a, a, a lion-o, Oh
0: yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do a round of Ask Duck Anything, boys. What are your questions for me this week regarding my life in Japan?
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I had them written down. Hold on, I need to get them out. Oh, okay. Well, you go. You can go ahead then.
0: Uh, wait. Uh, so, is this
1: uh, going to be a different segment from what you did over over the uh, holidays, or can we ask you those questions as well?
0: Um, this would be something different over the holidays, but be sure to prepare your questions for those as well. I think okay. I have more questions for
1: that than than I do for because because I've I've covered everything so far that I'm thinking about asking you. So I just have questions about the holidays. John, John, think ask you.
0: Right. So, uh, uh, just FYI, John, you are echoing. I'm noticing. Again, oh, gosh. Ugh. Hold on.
1: Is this better? I don't say, know. Somebody say something.
0: Hello. La, 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 la. Hello. Yeah, I guess it's
1: better. We're good. Gosh, I lost my questions. Did I? All right. Our last episode. Did I ask you about? I, I think the thing that I wanted to ask you about was the the COVID culture because last episode I had COVID, and we didn't get to do the ada questions right because we were doing the muckies and so i think the question that i wanted to ask you was what is like the covid how it different is the covid culture from in japan compared to america it Feels I think so it's dystopian calling it covid culture <laughs> yeah right well, yeah. well it is it totally is it's changed everything here i know i don't even i don't even pay attention to it it's like oh you got covid oh weird you have a slight
0: cough that's a bummer <laughs> <laughs> Well, you didn't ask that, and I will gladly answer. And the answer to that question is, no one really talks about COVID in Japan anymore.
1: That's what I figured, yeah.
0: It's like, it's become like, we know it's there, we know it's out there, we know it exists, but it's not in the news at all, no one's talking about it. If anything, people are more talking about, like, the cold that's going around, or a flu that's going around. Because when... Kids are sick. Like, you never hear the kids being out with COVID. You're hearing them about that kid being out with a cold or a flu or some other body that's going on. But COVID is never really spoken about. And I even looked online and saw if Japan still tracks, like, the COVID numbers. And they haven't tracked them. If, if listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, if you do your own research, they haven't tracked them since fall 2022. I mean...
1: To be fair, the United States was the only one tracking it for as long as they did because it was an election year. Yeah. yeah just I'm just being I'm just being real. <laughs> like because I, I have a friend over cuz I have a friend over in the UK and he's like, "You guys are still talking about that?" They're like, "Yeah, I I, I legit can't get into convention still." He's like, "Wow, that's pathetic." I was like, "I know, isn't it?"
0: <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> but we don't talk about so politics we- here. I know, no, we yeah. don't, know we don't but, but, but I'm just saying, that's what happened, and uh, uh, so, yeah, we, we uh, according to everybody that I've talked to, I, I have friends in Australia, I have friends in UK, I have friends in Japan, uh, we, the United States was, like, the last country to hold on to that, yeah. well, maybe Canada, mm-hmm. but, you
0: know. Um, I will say there still is a mask culture, there are people that still wear masks, but I feel like that... They're not worrying because of COVID now. They're worrying them again they because they always of the, have. Yeah. <laughs> the flu and the cold and, yes, it's always been a, a, a part of their culture. Like you can look all the way back to like anime from the nineteen fifties or sixties or wherever, and like you'll see characters who are sick and they're wearing face masks. And like it's always been a part of their culture to wear face masks if they're sick. It's just
1: or a if shame they don't know how innocent it is. Because, I mean, uh, the, that's always the funny thing is is because when I was in Japan, um, I, it's, it's kind of weird because I, I almost feel like it actually desensitizes to them to when they don't have a mask on. Because every time I went to Japan or Hong Kong or wherever, because they have a mask culture, whenever they weren't wearing a mask, they would still open mouth cough <laughs> and they would still... Like coughing into the ether, even whether they had a mask or not, because the mask kind of trained them like, oh, you can go ahead and do that. because um, I, I, I the one thing that I, th- I don't think people understand is wh- even when you're wearing a mask, it just doesn't go forward, it just goes out. So so if you're wearing a mask, you're still you're still pushing air out of your mask. So you should still cover your mouth when you cough, even if you're wearing a mask. yeah, it's just yeah. so that when you're it's just so that when you're talking to people, you can uh, it's it's not as 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 like projectile out towards them, but when you cough, it's still a pretty catastrophic event as far as uh, bacteria goes. But they unlearned how to cover their mouths when they cough, whether they have a mask on or not. And this is a thing that I have witnessed personally multiple times so it cannot be argued against. <laughs> well, Andrew, let me tell you something about high schoolers in the post-COVID age. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and let me tell you about my keyboards in my in my computer lab classroom. I'm sure it's covered a in the filth of students who do not cover their mouths when they sneeze or <laughs> mm. cough or anything in my That's room. Gross. No. It is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, so there. If anything, mask mass culture is detrimental to people's manners. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, so, like, I don't wear a mask anymore. Like, I walk around feeling good, feeling nice. Because what I noticed when, when I was wearing a mask back in, like, in America, like, I noticed that I would get out of breath a lot quicker, and I found yeah. that, like, I would... I would sweat a lot more, too. Like, like where I used to work, I would walk back and forth. And by the time I would get to work, like, my whole back was completely sweaty. All because, mm. like, I was wearing a mask and, like, I wasn't getting the, you know, breathing in the air as much. And I noticed that, too. Yeah. When, and I noticed that, too. Like, so, so I was wearing a mask here for, like, a couple of weeks. And, like, one day I was like, you know what? I'll just let me see what happens if I don't wear a mask and like I feel I'm walking around a lot healthier and feeling a lot better or anything like that and like so yeah like I stopped wearing a mask because I didn't want to feel yucky and gross by the time I got to my workplace
1: oh yeah yeah. totally well because they uh, they did some studies with that especially for people who worked out at the gym so your your oxygen blood capacity needs to be at I think the minimum that it can be at is uh, 95% uh, or, or, or point, uh, 0.995, right? Yeah. And when you wear a mask and you do heavy activities that cause you to you know exercise or sweat or whatever, uh, they would find that people who wore masks while doing those things, their blood oxygen level would go down to 0.8. So 80%, which is dangerous.
0: <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> it's not good for you. <laughs> I did try, like, working out once with, like, one of those masks that had, like, the little oxygen things at the in the, the filters. Front. Like, the, the filters. I couldn't. Like, I tried it for, like, for, like, a couple of weeks. And on to- yeah. not only was it hard to breathe, but, like, every time I had to drink a thing of water, I had to be like, all right, get yeah. this off, drink the water, <laughs> and then just, just put the mask back on. Like, every three or four minutes, I had to do that. And it was like, this... This is a pain in the fucking ass.
1: Well, just remember, just go to a restaurant and sit down, and COVID doesn't COVID doesn't attack you if you're sitting down. <laughs> Take your mask off, cause. But um, yeah, no, I, I went to the gym for a couple of weeks with a mask on. And I was just like, I I I'm not gonna do this. I can't do this. It's it it's, it's not only is it unhealthy, but it's incredibly difficult to work yeah. out with a mask on. It's mm-hmm. very difficult. Yeah, so I'm glad that that's over over there. That sounds good. Yeah, let me tell nice. you about swimming with a mask on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's <like> waterboarding yourself. Self <laughs> water torture. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Honestly, that's like really all
1: I had. It was a big part of my week last week before vacation. So I'm really happy that I I didn't have COVID for uh, for Christmas and stuff like that. So, and not to mention, I was fine. Like I. I got a fever for like one of the very few times in my life for like 24 hours um and i got to watch all of the extended editions of of lord of the rings which is like my happy place so does that um, include it was, the extended versions of the hobbit uh no i i actually truth be told i actually haven't seen the hobbit movies yet i've only
0: done lord of the rings
1: no, they're all right they're, they're I, good they're, they're
0: entertaining right. they're they're entertaining yeah. Lord of I the will, Rings is the is the is the goat though, as you yes, kids say. Yes. <laughs> I will agree, like Lord of the Rings trilogy is the goat. But the Hobbit's still a fun watch. I wouldn't <laughs> Yeah, I didn't mind it. Yeah, it's it's enjoyable. Um you see Billy Conley as a dwarf at the in the third movie. <laughs> That's like the best part. <laughs> I heard that there's like an R-rated cut of the third one, and I just imagine just Billy Connolly just calling a cunt to everybody. <laughs> 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 well, yeah. So, on the subject of the holidays, so what did you two wind up doing for both Christmas and New Year's? Well, a lot uh, of the same as what we usually do.
1: Yeah, it's quiet. It's not. It's not very busy, but. Um... I've been I've been toting this around everywhere. Uh, so Jonathan commissioned me a odd plushie. So uh, I have the best plushie in the world. Your none of nothing in your collection can ever beat it, Evan. Uh, it uh, it's this uh, he what, uh, what's what's the girl's name? Kate. I know her name's Caitlin, but um, yep. her, she has a on uh, Kate uh, Kate Berserker or Cat Berserker online. Kate, uh, Kate Zerker Yeah, is Kate her Zerker. is her Instagram. Is her Instagram handle, and she does uh, commission plushies, and so she, Jonathan, got got in touch with her uh, through craft fair scene and whatever, and uh, and so she put together an odd plushie for me from Solarian Sun, and obviously I don't think there's anything that I could get for Christmas that would beat that, and uh, so now I have a new table buddy that I'm gonna bring to conventions, uh, and and you know present my books and stuff with with a with a cute little plushie and you know. Come get a, some nice big Lotharian hugs, or little Lotharian hugs, I guess I should say. Yeah, that was probably the best part of Christmas. That was that was a good gift. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank well, you. that makes me feel good, and I'm sure that Caitlin would very much appreciate that as well. Yeah, um,
0: can yeah I, I, so can I ask yeah. um, if if you had the opportunity, what's the next Solarian Sun character you'd like to see as a plushie?
1: Well, so initially, this this isn't the first time this has been a, in consideration. Initially, Jonathan was trying to get a rain plushie done, uh, and but Caitlin's far more versed in animal uh, animal templates. Uh. Um, and so, if I had the opportunity, it would probably be rain because she's the most popular character in the series, believe it or not. Uh, at least the last time I checked, uh, and uh, pretty much the consensus of everybody that I talked to at conventions, it's it's Rain. It's definitively Rain, which I'm happy about. I think that's awesome. Um, so that would probably sell the best. But I mean, you know, you always got my boy Thunder. So uh, I, I mean, if you if I could get uh, more more merchandise of the main character in general, that that'd be very cool. But um, but I wouldn't mind having Rain either. Rain's Rain's one of my favorite characters in the series.
0: Yeah. Okay, good choice. Good choice. So, John, what about you for over the holidays? Well, um, for those who don't know, um, my
1: my wife, her birthday is on New Year's New Year's Eve. She's a New Year's Eve baby. So, yeah, which means that uh, simultaneously, twenty twenty four. Yeah, right. Um, which which means that simultaneously, everybody and nobody is celebrating her birthday um every year <laughs> yeah yeah uh but we i just have a grand old time uh we we play we go over to her parents house we we get chinese food and we play board games um and there was this really interesting board game that her parents got her for her birthday which was um somebody took monopoly and scrabble and mixed them together Huh? So the way that you move around the Monopoly board is by putting words down on the Scrabble board and that instead of rolling dice, you make Scrabble words.
0: I'm trying to picture this in my mind. and It's like, I still don't know how that works. So
1: the Scrabble board is in the middle and basically the border of the Scrabble board is the is is the uh, Monopoly board. It is a simplified version of the game. So, like, all of the properties are just one card. So, like, all of the yellow properties, all of the blue pl- properties, they're all just one card that you get. And you don't have to pay for the properties. All you need to do is the tiles. You know how, like, there's triple word score and double letter score, blah, 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 blah? Yes. Um. So, instead of those... There are properties. So you write a word or you put a word out on the Scrabble board. And if you cover up, let's say like Broadway, you get the Broadway card. And then you move your piece around the the board. And if you land on somebody's property, then you owe them rent because you own that
0: property because you covered it up on the Scrabble board. It was wild. So so here's my question. The way that you move around the board, is it? Due to the number of letters you use, or is it the the total score of the The total letters score of the letters? Yeah. So I feel like you make like a huge word that uses like the big letters. You could like move around like thirty paces. Yes, that is a possibility if you're really and, good at Scrabble.
1: Well, on and in, in on the vice versa side, you can make a tiny word so that you can go two spaces to get the property that you want. Exactly. Good it point. takes. It takes the luck out of Monopoly and it turns it into a strategy game, which is what I loved about it. That's
0: okay. That sounds pretty freaking awesome. I actually want to play this game now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That- so so anyways, that
1: was like amongst all of the the same Z things that we do. That's like something that was new. That was a part of it. So
0: yeah, it was fun. Very nice. Very cool. Anything else happened over the holidays?
1: Nope i I was bored on both New Year's Eve and New Year's. Actually, New oh. Year's. I just I just pumped out a new page. But I also had Chinese food, got very sick, and uh, cleared out my bowels for the New Year. Very nice, yeah. very very clean and fresh. You had your own fireworks. Oh, I, I did, did do one other thing. I did do one other <laughs> thing. I actually,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I um, I forgot. I checked something off of my bucket list for. Uh-huh. Uh yeah so instead of uh gifts we um we we do do gifts but one of the things that we often do is we give like us a collective gift for the whole family um and this year our collective gift to one another was we went to um we went to hell's kitchen in foxwoods and the thing that's on my bucket list is for my entire life. Ever since I watched the first season of Hell's Kitchen, I have always, always, always wanted to try Gordon Ramsay's uh, beef Wellington. And uh, I and so we went to we went to Foxwoods in Connecticut. And we we went to Hell's Kitchen and go walking into Hell's Kitchen is like just like the TV show. And it's so cool. They have like a hall of fame of all the winners. Um, Apparently, the winner of next season's Hell's Kitchen is going to be um, the the head chef of this Foxwoods restaurant. So the so the person who will be running this restaurant has not been revealed yet. Interesting. Um, yeah, but we we got a table that was a large booth that faced the kitchen. So like it was like this C-shaped booth that was looking at into the kitchen and we saw like everybody working and uh they're like it it's it's split into red and blue the same way they do it on the show uh and then you know, you can get a three course meal as one thing or you can just order individual items. So we got the, the scallops and um, I got the beef Wellington and uh, Christine got a um, got like a chicken dish, um, which and, and like it was all fantastic. Like I've never done fine dining before in my entire life, but it was so great. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Gordon Ramsay was not there. That's what I thought the follow-up was going to be. Um, but yeah, it um, it was a lot of fun. Actually, uh, I I really enjoyed the experience. Uh, the beef Wellington was to die for. So off the bucket list, I did I did do that. And um, yeah, that that was a part of my vacation too.
0: Nice, very cool. What about, um, did Diner of you make New Year's resolutions?
1: No, I don't, I don't follow, like, the whole, like, oh, arbitrary number turned into new arbitrary number. I guess I should become new person because of new time period. Nope. It's all the same time. Change whenever you want. Don't, don't wait for the, don't wait for the New Year's. Plus, I'm already the best man I can be. How could I possibly give myself some resolutions? (laughs) <laughs> no, um, I I don't. I just uh, I, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing that I've been doing. I'm going to keep working on my book. I'm going to keep uh, you know making sure that my business stays afloat and that I'm taking care of myself. And I'm going I'm going to the gym. I'm staying healthy. You know all the normal stuff. So I'm yeah. just going to keep doing that. Keep doing uh, the par par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. Christine and I started doing some some really great uh, changes on our diets and self earlier in well actually it was late summer. Um, and our, I suppose that if we had any resolution, it would just be to keep that up. Mm. Yeah, okay. Now, it's your here? turn, Evan, to answer all those questions you asked us.
0: Um, let's see. Well... Not much gift giving. I did get a nice uh, gift card for Starbucks, which comes in handy. You know, around here there's plenty of Starbucks to choose from. On top of, I can use that money to try out all the unique Starbucks drinks that America doesn't get. Oh, yeah. Um, I will be touching about more about what I did over the holidays for the main subject, but um, for New Year's resolution, I do just like Andrew said. Like, I didn't really make one myself, but more about well. I just want to keep being the best that I can be, especially here. Now that I'm in this country that I worked really hard to get into. I just want to keep on living the best life I possibly can.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, like you're like, I, out of all people, I feel like you've, you're like, I've done all the resolutions at this point. Like I'm in Japan, I'm an English teacher. I've done all the resolutions (laughs) (laughs) that I possibly can.
0: Yes. Just about. The, I still need a wife and kids. That's 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 the one thing I want, <laughs> that I. That's the one. And once I check that off, I could be like, I am satisfied. No, hit, no, more aspiration, hit, no more
1: aspirations. No more aspirations. I can die tomorrow.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Um Before we get to, to the main topic, um, there was a weekend. Uh, The weekend before the main topic about my mom visiting, or, fine, OUR mom visiting, (laughs) I had the the absolute pleasure of going to three concerts three nights in a row. And these are bands that I have been dying to see or have been wanting to see again for a very long time. And (laughs) the first band I got to see was a group called Soil and Pimp Sessions. And if you don't know Soil and Pimp Sessions, they are legit—the best jazz group in the world. I feel like
1: eventually, like I'm gonna, I'm either I'm gonna come see you, or you're gonna come home and visit, and. Like, you're going to be one of those dudes who just has a soul patch with sunglasses and a white fuzzy coat just hanging over your shoulders (coughs) because, like, you're just like this going to be this music aficionado to the point where you're like one of those, you know, platinum record, you know, recording artist, producer sort of dudes who just kind of has that aura about him because you go to so many concerts
0: now and. I feel like I that's mean, what I'm going to see you as. I have the goatee. I grow the goatee grow out during the colder times. Um, I do have a new pair of sunglasses, but the the white coat, uh, not so much. I don't look good in white.
1: Uh, black is my kind of color. <laughs> yeah, me neither, dude. I don't. I don't look good in white. I forget
0: that. No, yeah. no way. <laughs> but. Um, The concert was great. The trumpet player Tabu and the saxophonist Takashi, right at the beginning, they entered through the crowd and started playing lively, ah, uh, which was so cool. They did a mixture of actual songs and improvisational jazz. Everyone's dancing. Everyone's clapping and going, woo, all throughout the show. You wouldn't think that Japanese people would be going, woo, but they are absolutely going, woo. At a jazz show. And just, it was just worth the wait to see them live. And I will definitely see them again the next time they play in Tokyo. Because like I said, a lot of the stuff they saw, they did. You know, small selection of their originals, but they did mostly improvisational stuff. So it's like, you're going to get a different show every time you see them. Mm, That's Uh, pretty cool. Yeah, they were awesome. And I made some new... Where are they based out of? Cuz it,
1: like it's it's you know how like it's one of those things where like you think all bands and actors are from California in America. How you think like that's kind of how I feel like all musicians
0: and movie stars are they're all in Tokyo. They are um, they are based out of Tokyo. They've they oh, okay. Are, right. yeah, they are based out of Tokyo. All right, uh, I just was curious cuz you said when
1: they come back to Tokyo. So I was like, "Oh, where are they going?"
0: <laughs> around, around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now the next band that I saw They're from Osaka, and they are called the Goju Kaitens, or the 50 Kaitens. And a Kaiten is a rotation per minute, which means that they are faster than a 45 vinyl. (laughs) And (laughs) I originally saw them back in 2007 as part of the Japan Night Tour at the old TT the Bears, Rest in Power. And back then, I thought their performance was wild, crazy, and just a blast to watch and all these years later that energy has not died down in the slightest they have legit become not one of but the hands down best live act on the planet there are bands that do great spectacles and shows with pyro I mean we've seen Rammstein live but when it comes (laughs) to a band who's just on the stage performing without any of like the flashy things the go-to chitons hands down right now number one best live act on the planet dang um Somebody, I forget who said this. Maybe maybe it was my friend Mike Rogers, who is currently in the hospital. I I hope you feel better very, very soon, Mike Rogers. I look forward to hearing you on the radio again. Someone referred to the Go-To-Kitans as the Beatles if the Beatles did punk rock. And Hmm. that is absolutely the best description for them. They played the hits, they made some great jokes, and they came back for not one, not two, but three encores. Uh, Wow. And, uh, like, (laughs) right at the beginning of the third encore, so their their front man, Danny, like, starts, like, stumbling on the stage, and he looks like he's completely out of breath, and, like, going, No more! Please stop clapping! I'm tired. All right. One more song. (laughs) And like, dude, like this band, like they play Europe a lot. I'm sad that they don't go to America often because like if they came to America, I would be telling AFLM and John to like go see them live because they are just absolutely phenomenal. You're selling it. You're definitely selling it. And then the last show I went to, this was quite the dub of Bill and then some, Guitar Wolf and Poly Six at Shibuya's Liquid Room. And I saw Guitar Wolf back in 2011 at the venue Church in Boston, which is a venue yep. that should absolutely reopen because the space is still there, just waiting to be used. It's just a cafe now, and they're just leaving the stage. They're just, just nothing. And it's like, bring that back. Bring that back. For the sake of the Boston music scene, bring that stage back. And I have never seen a Poly6 live. They had been to Boston numerous times, but it was always when I was out of town. So... <laughs> They were playing at an event known as December... Is it December Children's or December's Children? Um, And it was an all-ages show which featured acts that sometimes don't often do all-ages shows. If you ever see a Guitar Wolf concert, you know, Oh, this isn't a show for kids. This is like very wild and crazy, kind of dangerous. So it was kind of unique to see Guitar Wolf do a show that was more for all ages. But before that Guitar Wolf and Poly Six came out, there were four opening acts that they had. Um, The first act was called Sunday May Club and Sunday as in Hot Fudge Sunday. And they were a really good pop rock collective. And they were one of those kinds of groups that went back and forth between being fast and laid back. They, They were pretty good. They were pretty nice. And then the second act that came on were called Brandy Senke, and I already liked them before they even played a single note because they came out to yeah, Where Is My Mind by Pixies. You know, automatic Mm. props representing Boston there. Good hard rock from them. Some very catchy melodies. And then a group called DNA Gains came on, and this was the band that kind of just made me look at my phone for the majority of their set because <laughs> they, <laughs> they can't were, all be good they, they were kind of boring they were one of those bands that were trying to like jump from one genre to another to another like they didn't have like their own identity like they were trying to be like Radwimps one second and they were trying to be like rise of the north star another second and then they were trying mm-hmm. to be nine inch nails in another moment and I'm like pick a lane like, ch- I you're a new band. I get okay. I know, I know, I know. One of my all-time favorite bands is is fucked up. Who go, who who do this all the time with genres of music, but they <laughs> they earned the right to jump from genre to genre to genre. You're just starting out. You need to have an identity first before you can spread out and try different things. Yeah, it and- sounds like
1: rabbit rabbit junk as well. You know, rabbit junk does this does the jumping thing
0: exactly but rabbit junk earned that right to mm-hmm. jump around this is a new band and i feel like if they don't have like their central core identity they're just gonna keep losing the audience because like like i said i spent most of the time just looking at my phone watching them perform they were they were kind of boring but, so that was like the one disappointment of the night But my favorite of the openers was the last opener, who were called Yonige. And they had some great songs, some very powerful vocals, and some fantastic guitar playing that brought to mind, like, the strong indie rock scene from the 1990s. So definitely check them out. That's awesome. And then finally, the first of the big main acts, Polly Six, came on. Despite it being an all-ages show, it turned the whole floor into a mosh pit. And they showed for 30 minutes why Mark Mothersbaugh have dubbed them the new Devo. Hmm. And they played mostly new material, which I wasn't familiar with. Like, the last album that I had of theirs was their... I think it's their 2009 album, Absolute Poly 6. But Mm. they were still great. And uh, the only song I knew was the last one they did, which is a song called Buggy Technica. And despite me not knowing most of the songs, they, they were, it was such a good show. And then, finally, Guitar Wolf. Just absolute sweet, beautiful chaos. Lots of crowd surfing. And like, even the band members like just dropped their instruments at one point and just started crowd surfing in the audience. And at one point, the guitarist, Seiji he pulled an audience member from the crowd and had them play guitar while he did the crowd surfing. (laughs) Um, I do have a bit of an interesting story to tell. So near the end of the gig, and it must have been somebody who was crowd surfing, I found a cell phone at my foot. And I picked it up, waited for the set to be over, and once the lights went out, I just shouted, like, found smartphone, or like, KTai, tai smartphone anima, so smartphone, you know, both in English and Japanese. And the owner came up, got it, was incredibly grateful, gave me a huge hug and everything. As I'm leaving the venue, somebody stops me, takes my hand, and he puts something in it. And I look mm-hmm. down, and it's Seiji's guitar pick. Oh, yo, <laughs> so somebody must have seen me do that good deed and must have told the band like, hey, this white, the, this white guy over there, <laughs> <laughs> did, the, the guy did, did something good. Like, can, can, I want to find him, give him this. And Like, I have the guitar pick, which I will absolutely use when I start, hopefully soon. Uh, learning how to play the guitar with a guitar I found that I talked about in the last episode. Nice. Excellent. So, three great nights of concerts, but I hate having to say this phrase. I am getting at that age <laughs> where maybe three concerts in a row might be a little too much for me. I, like, hate saying that phrase. If Maybe if it's concerts where I'm sitting down... That'd be fine. Like, maybe every other day, like, here's a concert for standing, here's a concert for sitting, standing, sitting, that'd be fine. But if it's three days straight of concerts that I'm standing up, I don't think I could do that anymore. It's as hard as that sounds. As hard as it is for me to say that.
1: Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. Even just standing up for three days at a convention selling Andrew's book is, uh is, is a tougher challenge. It's, yeah, than... it's pretty exhausting. Yes.
0: Oh, my sciatica is acting up.
1: Yep. Hey, that's, that's alone... no joke. And hey, legit, my, my sciatica legitimately acts up.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Add moshing to that. And I'm sure that we'd be feeling it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm always the wall. I'm like, I don't do the moshing. Like I have, I accidentally found myself in the middle of the mosh pit, but as soon as I find that out, I'm like, yeah, where's the exit? <laughs> so I always avoid the mosh pit. I learned that the hard way with... Actually, the first time I saw Guitar Wolf, I think I've told this story on one episode where... I don't know what had happened, but somebody pushed me so hard that I went spine first into the side of a table. Oh, and let me t- i still feel that, dude. Like I still remember that pain. And yeah, despite it being an awesome show, like that was one of the worst things I've ever experienced at a concert. Did I tell you my first mosh pit story? I don't think so.
1: So it was Mighty Mighty Boston's opening up for uh, um, Drop Dropkick, Dropkick Murphys. Oh, yeah. you
0: might have told this story, but just in case,
1: yeah. Um are one of the worst concerts that I've been to mind you. And it wasn't because of the mosh pit thing, but, um, but it, it just was the least fun I think I've had at a concert. Is regardless. <laughs> yeah. Regardless. Uh, we're seeing the mighty, mighty boss Stones. We think that we're going to be okay because it's the, it's the opening act and nobody usually ever does two goes too hard for the opening act. But the second that they walk out and they start playing the horns, whoosh, like a, a, yep. a circle opens up around me and, um, The first thing that happens is somebody's shoulder goes into my jaw. And I thought that my front two teeth got knocked out, but it hit hit me so hard that my cell phone flew out of my pocket. And uh, and and it was in a daze and somebody gave me my cell phone back. And that was awesome. But I had to get out of there because like I had to check my teeth
0: and everything like that, and Mm. it was just not a good time. I had something similar happen to me the last time I saw Frank Turner and, one, and the band, The Interrupters, who were a great ska group, were one of the opening acts. And there was a huge lot of people crowd surfing. And unbeknownst to me, someone was being pushed forward towards me. And all of a sudden, I get whacked super hard in the back of my head and I go nose first into the shoulder blade of the person in front of me. And yeah. I think that I, like, fucking break my nose. So I'm, like, constantly checking. I take them, you know, I'm wearing a mask during this. And I'm, like, I'm checking. I was, like, am I okay? Am I all right? Am I okay? Am I all right? I was, like, that was probably the second worst thing I've ever felt in my life. Before, like, besides the whole spine thing in Wolf. But, yeah. Marsh pit injuries are no fucking joke. Yeah. 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 But, uh, let's change the subject. Andrew, you have a video game that you have been talking about with great praise um, with us. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, another funny story with Origins. It was just recommended to me on, um, on YouTube one day. Uh, it, I don't even remember what the video is. And it's a short six-minute video of this guy who's just praising this small indie game that he found called Wedding Witch. And, of course, it's a, it's a booby title but it's not porn. it's it's not oh. porn. uh which no, for me that's great because like i don't want to play video games where i'm all hot bothered fully torqued like that's not cool because then i because then i because i'm distracted from the game and the gameplay is actually really good uh however that doesn't go like push to the side that it has some like sex appeal aspects to it uh that it's it's kind of sexy at times it's cute it's it is definitely cute um, but it's, it uh, it was created by a Korean artist, or at least the, the artist is Korean, and it it got localized in November, so that's why we have it on Steam now. Uh, and when I bought it on Steam, it was only three seventy five, so I was like, heck yeah, I'll buy that game for three dollars. It's only five dollars anyway, initially. Uh, totally worth the price. Um, so what it so Wedding Witch is a Vampire Survivors like game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you I don't know if you've played Vampire Survivors. Yeah, yeah, we, we talked, talked about, about it during the. We talked oh, about it last sure. week. Okay, cool. So it's a vampire survivors like game. Uh, but the thing that I like about Wedding Witch is it has a normal, normal, hard, and nightmare wedding mode. And the game actually legitimately gets harder. And it has level progression, which means that as you go through these waves of enemies, you complete levels that have different objectives. And then eventually you fight the final succubus or the final boss, which is the succubus queen. And, um, and, and, and then, and then you get an ending depending on how you built your witch. So there's different builds that you, you build, you get potions and you can build into muscles, small boobs, hips, beast, uh, a beast, girl, a succubus, um, uh, big boobs and all of those and all of those aspects have different types of um, effects so like if you're a small boobs character or good doing a small boobs build you'll be projectile base and speed and speedy if you're a beast uh, if you're going for the beast girl then you get uh, animal companions if you're a succubus then you get cursed things which is really cool if you're doing the muscle build then you do um, melee and close combat attacks. If you do hips build, then you do area effects attacks. Um, my favorite builds so far are uh, muscle and small boobs, ironically, <laughs> uh, because, because projectiles are broken and uh, muscle attacks are awesome because it's just surrounding you. Uh, however, uh, when I was playing the game, if the game starts out and one of the abilities is sunburst, then you've basically won. Because uh, Sunburst is so overpowered, and it's one of the first powers that you can get and upgrade in- e- instantly on the first row. I highly recommend it. Game is super fun. Uh, comes with some really good reviews, and it's being kind of overshadowed on Steam because it's being sold among all the porn games. But it is not a porn game, and I don't think it should be in that category because because the art is, is sexy. The art is appealing. The art is uh, – the concept is stupid, right? It's like yeah. – a witch, like a witch, finds you in the woods, and she wants to marry you, and and so she is going to find all these succubus potions to make her first night uh, of a wedding night perfect with you. And then every ending has its own, or every um, every potion has its own ending, and it's yeah. So it's it's fun, and then of course you upgrade your witch throughout the game. So if you like those vampire survivor-like games, then this one is is totally worth it because I played it for. Th- no joke, three and a half hours first night I got it. And it's because uh, it was so fun and so addicting. And every game, every single game only takes 15 minutes. So okay. you can start from lev- level one to succubus fight in 15 minutes. So it does not waste your time. Uh, it, like it's it's gonna be one of those games where like, oh, I don't want to play anything tonight. Oh I'll, I'll play like one one round of um of, of Wedding Witch. Um conversely it also led me to find all the other vampire survivors like games. And uh, have you heard of the one called Hollow Cure?
0: No, I've never heard of Hollow Cure.
1: Okay, so Hollow Cure is the Hollow Live Girls, but in a pixel vampires light survivor game, and it's free. Ah, nice. Uh, so you can just download it whenever you want, and it features the English Hollow Live Girls, the Japanese Hololive Live Girls, and the Indonesian Hollow Live Girls. Uh, but you have to unlock them. But you start with. Five or six Hololive English characters, including Galgura, which
0: of course I play as Galgura. Um, so it's basically you've already unlocked the best character.
1: Yeah, but uh, but you can also get uh, Kuro Inu from Japan, uh, and uh, there's a, there's a couple other ones that are that are pretty good. But um, it's it's funny because I'm playing the Holocure one, and even though it's free, I I'm not as thrilled with it because Wedding Witch runs so much smoother. Mm. Um. And. Uh, because every level in Hollow Cure is over 20 minutes of, of those Onslaughts. So if you don't beat a level in 20 minutes, you have to start over.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and
1: where, whereas Hollow Witch, you don't have to start over. you you uh, Well, you lose, and then you can start over from the beginning, but it only takes you 15 minutes, where one level in Hollow Cure takes over 20 minutes. Yes. So, uh, so I do recommend both, because... Wedding Witch is worth it. It's a well-balanced game and it's fun to follow the stupid little story and HoloCure is totally free.
0: Yeah. So, um, but but the I'm on the uh, Steam page right now for Wedding Witch. I find it funny. It's like, she's trying to find succubus potions to seduce you and it's like, you're already hot. You've already seduced me. Sure,
1: I'll marry you. Well, well, the funny thing is, is she's not trying to seduce you. Like she, you're already getting married to her. Like the idea is that her wedding night is that night, and so she needs to get the potions to be oh, as appealing to
0: oh, you as, as possible. I see. Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> Which is why you build into muscles, or you build into small boobs, or you build into beast, or you build it. Like it's it's fu- it's just it's dumb. It's super dumb, but it's so appealing. The gameplay loop is
0: great. It's so recommended. It. <laughs> I like that it's the 15 minutes. You said it's a 15 minutes each round, correct? Yeah, each each playthrough is He's only play, 15 minutes. Each playthrough is yeah. is is 15 minutes because it makes me think of it's. I know it's kind of it's a very sexist line. So prepare yourself. Uh, it's like the <laughs> line for it's the line from Greece. Women, what else are we supposed to do with them for the other 23 hours and 45 minutes? <laughs> That's a joke. It's a joke. It's a good joke. It's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, good. All right, I will definitely check. Plus, it's only five dollars. It's like that. Yeah, it's, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good price.
1: Yeah, it's it's literally the same price as Vampire Survivors. Like you can buy, buy vampires and it goes on sale. Like every time there's a sale, it goes on sale, and you can get get it for under four. Yeah. So <laughs> it's so it's not a bad deal.
0: Okay. Very cool. All right. The main topic, mum's the word. Our, mm-hmm. my mom, but also the wicked anime mum, or whatever you want to call her. That's, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yes, so she came to visit me for the holidays. Uh, she was here from December twenty second to January fourth. Um, she had an amazing flight through Japan Airlines. She just good. said nothing but the best. Everybody was so good and kind. Of her, she even got a free upgrade on the flight too. What? Yeah. I wish I got free upgrades. <laughs> so, no problems with the flight. It was a little bit delayed, and they were super apologetic about it being delayed. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Whereas if you went onto Delta Airlines, you would be like, "Oh, well, uh, tough shit. We got, we got hey, a Hey, I like Delta like, airlines. <laughs> well, what's the really bad one? American Airlines.
1: I mean, there's Southwest Airlines, there's American, there's United, there's... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I fly Delta, but... Uh, and i have <laughs> I've, luckily, luckily, I've had a, a good experience with my Delta flight
0: so far, but... uh uh-huh. So, she arrives, we get her checked into her hotel in Ikibukro, and we had a really good dinner at one of my favorite chains here in Japan, Komoda's Coffee. And if you've never uh-huh. had Komoda's Coffee... I will say that they have two of the best sandwiches on the planet at this chain. That is the egg and pizza toast and their fried pork cutlet sandwich. Two of their absolute best sandwiches there. She had the pork cutlet, I had the pizza one. Great dinner. But then she had to go back to the hotel because she didn't really sleep much on the plane and she needed mm. to recharge. I've been there. But uh, apparently she only got two hours of sleep that night, so she had to do as best as she could on our first night, or first day in Japan. And we took her, or I took her, to the Christmas market at Meiji Jingu. And what the Christmas market is, is the German tradition, like how like in Germany they have these huge marketplaces for the holidays and Christmas time that sell food and drinks and nice little knickknacks and had an absolute blast had a good lunch there and then after that we went to Shibuya because one of my mom's favorite movies is the film Hachiko with Richard Gere which is a retelling of the story of Hachiko, the dog that kept on waiting for his you know, owner to show up long after he passed away. And the Hachiko statue is in Shibuya and yep. her being able to see it in person. It was, I i will say it was one of her big highlights because she's watched this movie like 30 times. It's her absolute favorite movie. And she just got to see the statue up close on the 100th anniversary of Hachiko's birth. No less. As well. Oh wow! Interesting. So it's an old dog. Yeah, very old dog. So it was great there, and then after that, she was feeling a little tired because again, two hours of sleep. We went to two different furniture show, uh, furniture stores. The first was IKEA, as we call it in America IKEA, but the rest of the world calls it IKEA. Hmm. And we quickly figured out that, yeah, this place is overrated. So I took her to the good furniture store, the place I got all my furniture at in Japan, Nitori. And because my mom was still jet-lagged, she just tried out all of the furniture, all of the couches, (laughs) all of the beds. We spent, like, almost an hour and a half, like, doing all this. And it's like, she's ready to buy all of this stuff. (laughs) So after doing that, she felt a little better. So we went to Shimokitazawa because our friend Mari from the band Sushi mami she was doing a solo show at a place called Mumrick Murphy. Free concert, but you had to buy like two drinks. Not a bad price. Mm-hmm. And we had a great opening act uh, from a woman. Her name is Abe Aoi. She is the front woman for a band called The Arnolds, and she has a solo act called Himitsu no Kope Kachita. I think that's how you pronounced it. <clears throat> and she did a really good, plugged-in, electric guitar performance that was both very loud, but also surprisingly soothing. She was very really cool, very fun. Uh, we're now uh, friends on Instagram. We've been chatting back and forth here and there. And then my friend Mari came out and she was dressed as a Christmas tree, but (laughs) (laughs) after one song, she's like, all right, this is done. (laughs) Because you could tell she was having a really hard time playing wearing a Christmas tree outfit. And she did a mixture of songs of the band Sushi mami Re and her own solo songs. And she referred to the song Ebihara Shinji as Evans' favorite song. <laughs> it's keep, okay. Stop so keep. No, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, okay, keep in mind this is like a very small club where there was like fifteen people. I'm, I, I'm yep, chatting yeah. with her before the show, and she's a friend of mine, and she knows. Like, I know. This is no, the song.
1: That's just so cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then after that, uh, well, not after that, but during the last two songs the owner of Mumrick Murphy's came on the stage and played guitar with her on a couple of songs. And just an excellent, excellent performance from her. She, she kills it when she's with the band and she kills it when she's solo. It, she is, you know, Mari is an absolute talent, not just in music, but in fashion and drawing. She is like, what we we call her? Like a renaissance woman when it comes Mm -hmm. to all the talents that she has. So yeah, good first day in Japan. Christmas Eve, the next day, we go into Ginza to meet with my school's vice principal. Mm -hmm. And we had a very, very fancy lunch and a great conversation. Him getting to know my mom, my mom getting to know him. And after that... We walked around Ginza some more and went into many stores that had many things that we could only wish we could afford, because yeah. Ginza—think New York's Fifth Avenue—if it yeah, were yeah. a fully blown city.
1: Yeah, i uh, I remember. I remember the whole Ginza arc when from Tokyo I, You know, so I'm I'm familiar with the with the floofy floof part of the city.
0: It's a floofy floof, but it's a good floofy floof. Oh, I'm sure. It's probably beautiful. Yep. And then that evening, we embarked on that traditional Japanese Christmas tradition. Can you guys guess (laughs) what it is? Oh, you got some chicken. Yeah, we got some chicken. We got some shrimp gratin, some cake, the Kentucky Fried Chicken Christmas Party Bucket. And when now, I did it, yeah, okay.
1: Now, did you have to order that, like,
0: ahead of time? or Yes, or yes. I actually ordered this in November. Like, at oh, the beginning nice. of November. <laughs> and this was what was great. A new KFC had just opened close to my apartment. So, like, <laughs> I just walked down the street and put the order in. That's awesome. And one thing I did not know is that on top of the food, you get a really really nice commemorative plate that says what is it Kentucky Christmas 2023 and it's a really good display like I still have it out I'll be kind of maybe putting away the Christmas decorations this weekend but it was a very nice surprise and as we ate the chicken we watched a couple of really good Christmas specials we of course watched the peewee Christmas special you know that's that's always one of the best ones to watch. Um mm-hmm. Merry Christmas Mr Bean. And then I showed my mom Christmas with the Aquabats. Oh. <laughs> which is I I think that that deserves to be a classic too. Like you like you I, said in the pre- previous episode it's one of the rare specials that shows why bad kids deserve to get nothing. That's right. Uh, I didn't even I haven't even considered
1: that. Because uh, one of uh, one of the things that Jonathan and I li- and I like to do is uh, uh, especially so th- during this Christmas se- season when Jonathan was home with COVID, uh, it was a great opportunity because me and Jonathan were both home. We watched the Johnny Bravo Christmas special because that's our favorite <sighs> Christmas special. Like the quintessential Christmas special is is the Johnny Bravo, and so so we had a
0: blast doing that.
1: Yeah, yes, it was a good show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I have like a whole like playlist on my YouTube of like all the best Christmas specials. So there's the Aquabats one, Pee-Wee, um, the Muppets Christmas special where they go to Fuzzy Bear's mom's house. Like they're yes. on there, yeah, it's like you can find the full uncut version. Because the DVD has songs cut out of it. It's, it takes out half of the Sesame Street parts. It's like like you can only find the full version on YouTube.
1: Yeah, uh, Muppet, Muppet Family Christmas is also one that I watch every time too.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know if I watched the
1: DVD cut of it though. How do I know whether I saw the DVD cut?
0: If um, there's no sleigh ride song, if there's like,
1: no sleigh ride, they
0: song. cut out the whole song with Fozzie Bear and the uh, Sam the Snowman, like not uh, singing the song.
1: It in the DVD version? Yes, or? they cut out the oh, whole wow. thing. Okay, wow. No, they okay, cut, I saw the TV clip then. But, yeah,
0: yeah, they cut That's out crazy. that and they cut out Miss Piggy singing There's No whole uh, There's uh, No Place Like Home for the, for the Holidays, which takes out the best, like, joke, which is the running gag involving the yeah, icing patch. Yeah, and everybody, everybody's like, don't trip on it or watch it. Yeah, yeah, like, that. Like she sings a very play. beautiful song and it's so, like, ah! <laughs> Careful of the icy
1: patch. Oh, absolute classic. I watch yeah. that every year. Um, and It's also something that we say, too, during the winter is watch yes, out for the icy yeah, patch. Jonathan,
0: yeah, we, we, that's all we say. Yeah, that's what I yeah watch from. out for the icy <laughs> patch. One that you guys probably don't watch it, but I love the Julie Andrews, uh, The Sounds of Christmas Special, where she goes back to the country where they film The Sound of Music, and they it's her and John Denver and a couple other people. Uh, do it. It's, it's a total 80s Christmas special, but, like, it's, like, the best 1980s Christmas special. And it's hmm. very entertaining. That's also on YouTube. Try to find it on there. Um, but anyway, <laughs> getting off topic. Uh, Christmas Day, my mom actually saw my apartment for the first time, and she now fully understands... The kind of space that I am dealing with in my apartment. <laughs> but like she was so happy to see like how I've been able to make make of this space. Like how I've bought all the right things and products and cooking utensils. Like I have made this into a proper home. Like I've made this into a place that I can feel comfortable with. And she was just so happy to see that. I've been able to do all of that all by myself.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's it's, it's, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. And then after that, I took her down to Oyama happy road and down in Oyama happy road, they have all those really cool shops and displays. And I showed her this one store and the store is the place where like families will take their kids to, um, get them fitted for their school uniforms. They'll like tailor make them and everything. And in the window display are all these Norman Rockwell books and pictures. And it has like the very same book that I've had of Norman Rockwell's Christmas that that I've had since I was a little kid. So it wow. was really cool to see that here in Japan.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's not only American history it's massachusetts history
0: exactly so. exactly ah, i'll say just thinking about that i kind of wish i could have experienced a christmas in that area of of massachusetts like the, that famous picture of of the christmas area could what was it stockbridge stockbridge yeah. and christmas i think that's one of my big regrets is that i never got to experience christmas in stockbridge
1: well, truth be told, it's really hard to do now cuz I think like in order in the Christmas season in order to even get to Stockbridge, you have to pay 35 bucks.
0: Yeah. Per person. Yikes. Yeah, so they
1: so while yes, it is kind of like a historical quintessential I'm in a Hallmark movie sort of thing for Massachusetts, mm-hmm. like it's
0: really hard to do now. Like they've they've monopolized it. Yeah, there's stiff hit. Last time I was there, I think I was I was seven years old and we were driving through it after we had visited Niagara Falls, Canada, and despite it being in the summertime, it still looked like that famous painting. Yeah. I wonder if any of that has changed since then. Maybe no, not. not. As far as I, I know.
1: Yeah. No.
0: No, probably not. Okay. And then after that I took her down to Nakano, where I where I where she got to meet the my assistant teacher who helps me out, and we had this very lovely chat with her for about three hours over coffee, and uh, with her help too, my mom could finally figure out how to turn her American dollars into Japanese yen. <laughs> uh, she didn't do it at the airport. No, because they kind of rip you off at the airport. Do they? Yeah. They, like, take away, like, instead of, like, 10 cents, they take 20 cents or, like, 20 yen from your from your dollars. Huh. Yeah. I found that out the hard way when I did it at the airport when I came so where, here this time around. So where's the best place to get it exchanged? Um, you got to find, like, a Western Union kind of place. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that was Christmas. Day after Christmas I went out the only time we went outside of Tokyo and it's a place called Kamakura and there I met up with one of my old college friends and her two kids and there she got to see the giant Buddha up close and we were able to go inside of it this time last time I went you couldn't go inside a giant Buddha but now you could and it's so interesting to see like like this thing that's been up for like centuries Still, like intact the way it is, very, very unique, very cool. And then after that, my mom tried okonomiyaki for the first time. Oh, nice! Did oh, you... I love okonomiyaki. Yeah, the Japanese pancake. She loved it yeah. so much that she looked online for a recipe. She's gonna try to make it for herself when she go when she now that she's back in America. Are yeah. those like the big fluffy pancakes? No,
1: no, no, no. no. Uh, there, the, the, uh, the okonomiyaki is the savory pancakes that you put like fish flakes and and uh, mayo on. Got it. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. like a. I like
0: to call them a flat takoyaki. Because yeah, it, you could yeah. sometimes put those stuff into into that. That yeah, makes that sense. Was, that was like yeah. the
1: first thing I had when I uh, when I landed in um, Osaka. Is is there was like this little okonomiyaki shop, and we just all stopped and got that for dinner. It's pretty yeah. great.
0: Mm-hmm. So after that, we went to what's known as the Sirogawka Hachimango Shinto Shrine. Um, my mom and I we got some blessings, some charms, and then we went to what's known as the Water Dragon Temple. And in the Water Dragon Temple, you can uh, you can like bless your like bless your money to get some good fortune, as well as get a fortune like revealed at the Water Dragon Fountain. And my mom got a very, very good fortune. So it goes from 0 to 10. My mom got an 8. And I didn't do the fortune because when I did it last time, I got a perfect 10, and I'm not messing with my luck. (laughs) So it was very fun at Kamakura. Next day was the day where I could kind of show her around Ikibukuro on the 27th. We did some shopping at Don Quixote and Uniqlo. And then in the evening, we went to Shinjuku, where my friend Sawa, who uh, used to host the on the Nihongo section of my podcast show, No Borders Race," uh, we met up with her. We had a great meal at an izakaya in the famous Golden Guy. And if you don't know the famous Golden Guy, that's where, like, it's this super thin alleyway with hundreds of restaurants from start to finish. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then we walked around Kabukicho, saw the giant Godzilla, and then we did an hour of karaoke. And I think the very, very room that um, they did the karaoke scene from Lost in Translation, because I think if you look, if you look at the angle of the scene from that movie, it's very much the same as the angle of the room that we were in. Hmm. Oh. So that was pretty cool. I still haven't seen that film. I,
1: I haven't, I haven't been able to find it anywhere. But I would like to.
0: It's definitely one of those really good laid-back movies. It's, okay. de- it's one of those movies that was that really introduced me to like this is what Japan is like. hmm But through the eyes of Bill Murray. So it's it's, you know, good movie. So let's see. On the 28th, we went to Tokyo Dome City, and at Tokyo Dome City, there's a place called Spa Laqua, and Spa Laqua is like one of the best like hot springs places in all of Tokyo. So we kind of split up. We did our own thing there. I went into the hot springs, got a 90-minute massage, a really good Ooh. lunch, some fancy drinks. And a quick nap because there's this really nice napping area that you can go to. You just pick a chair, lean back, pull a blanket, and just close your eyes and relax. And all for one hundred fourteen dollars.
1: Uh, all right.
0: Very, Keep in mind nice. because of the week weekend currently week the this this will not factor in when the yen becomes strong again. But like. For everything that we did, costing only $114, that was a steal. Um, right. And then after that, we went to Sunshine City back in Ikebukuro, where we had some burgers uh, at a place called Kua Aina. And Kua Aina is a Hawaii-based burger chain. And their burgers are shaped like surfboards instead of just a round patty. And I will tell you, those are the best burgers in all of Tokyo. In my honest opinion, I have not had a burger as good as a burger at Kua Aina. Cool. Good to know. Good to know. We'll talk more about food during the food episode, but I just wanted to put that in there. <laughs> the next day we went to Tokyo Tower. Uh, we started out in the big long area and then we went higher up to the highest peak and it was Quite a beautiful sight. Uh, had a very good time looking around and seeing where everything was located. Unfortunately, it was a little bit cloudy, so you really couldn't see the mountain ranges from behind. You kind of make out a couple of them, but uh, not not so much of the perfect scenery, but a great scenery nonetheless. Um, after that, we went more through Sunshine City, and I took my mom to and this is true the only Sesame Street store in all of the world it just opened up in Sunshine City it's called Sesame Street Market and they sell all these goodies for Sesame Street all that goes back to the children's television workshop to still create educational programming for kids and all that there's even a cafe where you can have New York style pizza I haven't tried it yet but I'm, I'm curious to see if they get the New York style right. So maybe put that on the ducat list. Right. I, the, noted. Yeah, one thing that I do like is so they have these pillows that they sell. And on these pillows are the original sketches that Jim Henson made of some of the Muppet characters. So like the original Big Bird, the original Cookie Monster, um, the, the original... What's the what's the girl's name? Mary Lou, Mary um is it Mary Lou? The pigtails? Uh, which one are you referring to? She had like the purple skin, blonde hair pigtails, red ribbons in her hair. I don't think yeah, these tell much. You. They don't use her as much anymore as they did back in like from the 50s to when I was a kid. But these were like the original sketch, the, the, the original sketches that Jim Henson had made and they were on the throw pillows. I thought that was really neat that you could own something like that. Yeah, it's cool. So, next day was more of a laid back day. We kind of didn't meet up until like in the afternoon. Just walked around mm-hmm. Ikebukuro some more. And we just got the urge to go see a movie. And we and I wound up taking her to see the new Spy Family film. Yep. Oh, that's right. No subtitles. But you could follow everything perfectly. Like you knew what was a funny line, you knew what was going on, you knew exactly what was happening on the screen. You didn't need subtitles, and we both had a blast. It helped that I taught my mom everything she had to know about Spy Family before we watched it. Yeah, and she wound up really enjoying it too. So well, let's be honest. She was there. She was just thrilled to be there with you. <laughs> probably, probably. But it was great. And what was neat too is when you go and see the movie there in Tokyo you get a gift bag and in the gift bag it's a free thing of like soba yakisoba noodles and it comes with a little booklet of Spy Family which has an exclusive comic that you can only get when you see the movie Mm. so that was neat And then New Year's Eve came around and another kind of laid back day, but we did go to the aquarium at Sunshine City and it was a great time. She got the... What's nice is where the New England Aquarium focuses more on the Atlantic fish that you can see, the one in Tokyo focuses more on the Pacific one. So it's all fish that you really haven't seen in person unless you live on the West Coast of America. Yep. So that was a good time. And then New Year's Day came. And New Year's Day, lots of stores were closed due to the holiday, but we still wanted to make something of it. So we went to uh, the shrine in Asakusa for what's known as the Hatsumode, the first, first year, the first prayer. And there were hundreds of thousands of people there to, to, to do this thing. Yeah. All the way to the line. And I think we might have accidentally cut the line. Cause it took us about 90 minutes to get there. And then after we had gone and done the whole shebang, we we left and saw that the line was going through blocks and blocks and blocks of Asakusa and I think we unknowingly like cut the line and like skipped a lot of the um, lot of the waiting time. So very basically,
1: gutty.
0: yeah, like they they didn't
1: put up a stink with you because they knew you were foreign, but they were probably not very happy about it.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's not like we knew. It's like we kind of know, like went exactly. into it. It was like there was there was nothing blocking our way. We just went into get into the line of the shrine, not knowing that there was another line to get into the, to get into the line, to get into the shrine. But um, it was fun. We It took us 90 minutes to spend a minute in the shrine. Uh, got our first year blessings. My mom, she drew average luck, and I got bad luck, so I tied it to the display to ward off the negativity. And we had some chicken, some sweet sake and a chocolate banana and some good time. It was a good time so New Year's. And then we were originally going to head to Tokyo Skytree after that, but we were kind of feeling a little tired. So instead, we just went back to the hotel to kind of, you know, relax and get some of our energy back as soon as we got back into the hotel, as soon as we relax, the building starts swaying. And yeah. Oh, I no. quickly realized that, oh, we're having a bit of an earthquake. And I knew it wasn't a serious earthquake on our end because my phone wasn't going, what, 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 what? Completely silent, completely quiet. So the building swayed for a minute. And... Like my mom was like, oh my gosh, this is an earthquake. Oh my gosh, this is an earthquake. And I'm on the and I'm on the bed just holding like my hand on the wall, going, It's okay, it's okay, we're gonna be fine, it's alright. And of course, we were fine. We were okay. But then we spent an hour watching the news, which thankfully NHK has an English audio channel. So mm. we could like follow what was going on, and like this huge 7.1 earthquake on the other side of Japan had happened, and there's like this whole tsunami warning. And like we're just watching, and like I'm looking at my Nerve app, and the Nerve app is what tells me about you know all the you know all the natural disasters that are happening within the vicinity, and just seeing what was going on and happening and like I will say that I'm glad that this wasn't as bad as it was in Fukushima back in 2011, but Mm. for it to have to be here when all this is happening, it's like kind of surreal. And, you know, it wasn't as scary for us, but I can really imagine like Like, people were terrified in those areas. Mm -hmm. I know that there is still a lot of damage they're going through right now. I'm glad that it wasn't as bad as Fukushima. I'm glad it wasn't as worse as it could have been. But, you you know, I feel bad that these people have been hit. There's tens of thousands of people right now who are currently homeless because of the damage and everything. And all I can say is that I... Hope for the best for them. I hope that they can pick themselves back up, get themselves a new home, and find their place back in in this in this area. Like, you know, just seeing it happening in real time in the country that it's happening in is you know it's it's eye opening. I know moving to Japan that I would have to experience these sorts of things, but like. You know, I think I'm getting better with having to deal with these sorts of natural disasters that Japan will sometimes throw at you.
1: Yeah. I do wonder what other people who have been living in Japan, Tokyo even, for their whole lives, were thinking during this thing. Is like to them, was it just oh, another day or is or is it is this going to be another fukushima not on the other side the other side where it was really bad they have it was it was yeah like like the like there's there's video footage of of like the epicenter of where it happened and it's really wild oh no i I know this but what i'm saying is like for people who have been living in japan for their entire lives Mm -hmm. when they're faced with a natural disaster, like an earthquake like this, like currently where they're living oh, yeah. what is going through their heads. Cause Evan, I've, you have, uh, you experienced it, but you have a different experience with it because you've only been there for a couple of months. Yes. You're not talking about the people who have lived there their entire lives who are mm-hmm.
0: saying, is this the time, mm-hmm. you know? So, so this wasn't my first earthquake. This was my second one. The first one mm-hmm. I experienced was during my first week of teaching. The school swayed for about 30 seconds. And That's that right. period, I was scared. I was terrified. But I, like, kind of played it cool during the second time. Maybe it, like, takes just the... Takes one small one to get you prepared. Yeah. Um, I have... I'm part of a... Um, on the Line app, I'm part of a huge chat With all the other Boston-based jet program people, and they were telling me like um, how like they were hiding under their table, whereas all the other Japanese people were just taking it as if it was nothing. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I was talking to some of my friends, and I was like, and some of them were like, uh, I was driving while this was happening, I felt nothing, or I was walking on the sidewalk when it was happening, I felt nothing. So maybe because we were so high up in a building, that's the reason why we felt it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, uh, it was it was really interesting um, to to see all the different all the different perspectives of it when it was happening. And dude, this how bad of an event it was is I'm still getting pings on my phone from NHK Worlds. Yeah, about about like aftershocks and because I guess they're still getting aftershocks and they're still getting, you know, earthquake rumbles. And it's so it's it's pretty wild.
0: Yeah, I have the app right here, Nerve. And the last one that that recently happened was actually today, just three minutes ago, there was a two point three earthquake off the Noto Plaza. Um, I don't know where. Yeah, in that same vicinity. So at least it's decreasing. Because <laughs> it, it went like seven, six, five, four. Now we're at, they're at the twos right now. So at the very least, at least it's like subsiding. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, maybe by next week, maybe those NHK pings will, will stop. But, um,
1: I do just want to point out. Uh, so you have an app called Nerve.
0: Yes. Is like like uh, Evangelion. Yes. Nerve. Yes, actually. Wow. And that's what that's they crazy. use to measure um, natural disasters in Japan. Yeah.
1: And angel attacks. <laughs> uh,
0: nothing <laughs> like that yet. <laughs>
1: not yet. Yeah. Not
0: yet, right. not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not <laughs> yet. I'm not hearing the timpani. The Once I hear that, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, oh, oh, it's happening. It's happening. Now I'm, now I'm going to get under my desk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we watched that for about, we watched the footage for about an hour. We needed something to laugh at. So we put on a Jimmy Carr special, laughed throughout all that. And then we just did dinner at Wendy's. Good. Nice. And that was New Year's Day for us. Fun, crowded, a little chaotic but we're good. Different. That's for sure. Different. Yep. And then the day after that, we went to a place called Team Lab Planets. Now, Team Lab Planets is a place that I really cannot describe in words. All I can say is you go there and you experience something that feels really, really soul soothing. And like my mom kept asking me, Oh, what's it going to be like? I was like, you have to see it for yourself. And like, Two minutes into experiencing it she like fully understood oh yeah there's no place like this and basically you go for like from room to room to room that has all these different sorts of experiences that involve light and water and beautiful visualizations um there is a really big reason why it's won so many awards and why it has extended It's like stay in Japan from what was supposed to be a year to now currently 2027, because everybody keeps coming to this place and experiencing this really cool area. On top of it, it's right next to Toyoso Pit, which is the venue that I'm going to go see Mr. Bungle at in February. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, That actually sounds really similar to something that's happening in Boston right now. Uh, which I think is called Wonder Museum, W O or W N D R.
0: Um, yes, which the Japanese artist helped out with that. Um, yes, Kusama. Kusama. Yes. Yep.
1: Uh, with uh, with her uh, infinity rooms.
0: Mm, I think it might. All right, that's the thing I'm going to have to have you guys check out that because I I don't live in Boston anymore. Go to this Wonder Museum. And I want you to report back to me, okay?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with uh, with these team, team works. It's, it's really cool.
0: There's a new one that's opening up next month in Tokyo. And I'm going to say it's going to take me about a year to get there because the demand is probably going to be really huge for it. Awesome. Uh, after that, we went to Diver City, where I could show my mom the giant Gundam there. And even though my mom's <laughs> never heard of Gundam, she was still super impressed by the big giant robot that's right outside of Diver City. Did she look at the
1: robot like Yermal Del Toro looked at the robot? Oh
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> Just like wow! Whoa And like I pointed out to her, like, look closely. There are parts of this giant Gundam that Only the people who put it together are actually going to see because of that's how detailed that this thing is. And we got there right in time when, like, the presentation was going on where, like, the robot opens up and, like, the face comes out of the Gundam and the whole lights show, and it was really neat for her to see that. Awesome. And then after that, we went to, so right between... um, right near uh, Diver City is Fuji TV and like the Fuji TV building is really neat too like there's like this giant globe that's like right in the middle of it like I'm still trying to figure out how they built this building and put this giant globe right in the middle of it um we went there and just looked around their gift shop and not nothing too super special but like it was still really cool to experience that. And on That's the awesome. last yeah, and on the last day we went to Tokyo Skytree. And Tokyo Skytree currently is the tallest tower, uh, no longer Tokyo Tower. So we got up a lot higher, got to see the sights a lot better. While I was while, while we were waiting in line for the second part of Skytree, a group of sumo wrestlers came out. And it looked like that they were doing like some sort of like ritual before an upcoming match up in oh. Tokyo Skytree. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's like, crazy. So, yeah, like it was really cool. And that's kind of about it for the trip. The last day she was here, we had to uh, she had to pack up and get her things together. And she got it. She understood why I live here now. She understood why I've been I've been wanting to build a life here. Mm. It took her only 2 days for her to realize that, but but for her to experience the 2 weeks in Japan, she understands why I love this country and why it's so beneficial for me for my health and why why I'm here and why I want to build my life here. And she honestly, she can't wait to come back here because We've only really touched the surface of what Tokyo has to offer, much less Japan itself. So, it was a great time with her, and I'm glad that she got to finally see Japan through my eyes.
1: Yeah, uh, any maybe. um any chance that she uh, she'll want to make it back and go to other places in Japan?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we talked about that. Maybe going to the countryside, maybe going to like Osaka or Kyoto. I actually yeah, plan little, to do, yeah. um, I plan to go to Kyoto for a week in March during our spring break. I, oh, I, nice. just need to, I, I just need to do some more research and decide when and where to go. But she gets it. I'm happy that she understood What she understands why I'm here now. And she understands why I am so happy to be living here now. Good. Uh, any questions? Um...
1: No, I I don't think so. Yeah, not I. I'm satisfied.
0: Okay. So I think that about wraps up this episode of Duck and Bucket Japan, unless you guys have anything you want to add. Nope. Nope. All right. Okay. Good. All right. Shameless plug time. AFLM, take it away. Alright, so if you guys
1: want to check out my work, if you want to see what I'm up to, you can head to solariansun.com where you can read my webcomic for free. We're up to page 282 for free. Uh, but if you go to patreon.com slash AFLM where you can subscribe to my work and read the comic all the way up to what I currently have, you can read up to page, as of tomorrow, uh, of this recording that is, you can be up to page 669 yeah so we're getting we're really getting up there uh and um coming up right around the corner we have the kickstarter of course kickstarter volumes one through three volume three being the new book but you can collect all the other books that you might be missing if you did if you missed out get them digitally and you can get them physically and you can get stickers and you can get art prints you can get all that kind of stuff uh, ready to go. That is launching on January twelfth, uh, in sometime in the evening. But uh, if you sign up for the pre-launch page, which you can head over to the the Solarians on pre-launch page, uh, you'll you can get notified right when it launches, the very moment. I think that's all I got for now. All right, John Star. And if you want to check out my work, you can find me at the Line Block on uh, uh, Instagram. Uh, where you can see my artwork and potentially when I reach a new personal best in
0: classic Tetris. Currently, current score is 340,000. All right. You got to get to that 999,999 999, some fashion.
1: Looking for a max out. Still yes. chasing the max out.
0: Still chasing the max out. And uh, we talked about this on the last episode, but we, you have your book. You know, you haven't published it yet. Have you still considered making it part of the Kickstarter tier for Solarian Sun?
1: Probably not this time around, but uh, it it is a possibility. Uh, I I still have some legality things that I need to do with my book because I I use uh, other other media in it. That's like the hard part is that because it was like a personal art project, I have like links to YouTube videos that you know, I do not own. Um, so, like, I, I've always questioned the legality of, you know, being able to to publish the book that has links to other people's work in it. Like, I credit them and everything like that, but I can't really sell it for, right. per se.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, I hope it gets out to the masses in some fashion because it is a good book you did.
1: Thanks. Um, yeah, I, I I can I do have the digital version that I can put on my Instagram for free, so.
0: Well, that's a good point. That's a good idea. And, of course, follow us here at B3 two, ha, B3Crew.com. Um, <laughs> follow me on all the social media at KingBabyDuckESH. Um, as I mentioned, we are working on other episodes. Like, not actually, literally working on them. But we've got some interesting people that may be coming on the show very, very soon. So keep your eyes and ears peeled, and until next time, this is your king, baby duck. AFLM, John Starr. Remind you that if you're going to run for your dreams, be sure, sure, sure you you're running run them up. <laughs> I actually kind of forgot the catchphrase for a moment there. If I can you're tell. gonna, yeah. If you're gonna chase it, let's try it one more time. If you're gonna chase right. your dreams. Make Be sure, sure you run, run a muck. Almost, almost, <laughs> almost, almost. <laughs> K bye. K bye. <laughs> bye. bye.